0: The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Where do you turn? What do you do when you feel totally drained? I can't, be the po- I can't possibly be the only one that at some point in life may be like, today uh, felt totally drained at some point. Where do you turn? What do you do when you feel completely burned out? You know, if you've noticed this, like I have, uh, life seems to drain us, and it leaves us completely empty, worn out, burned out. Um, Maybe for you, this is kind of like your experience. You put in maximum effort, and you get minimal results. I mean, you're giving it all you've got. I mean, you're working your tail off, you're, you're doing the best you can, and yet every time it feels like you put in 20 hours of work and you get five hours worth of results. And I, I feel like there's moments in place in my life where I just feel that, uh, where you, you're just chasing your tail, trying to like, figure your life out, or maybe you're busy putting out fires rather than living fired up and you're just worn out, you're beat down. I mean, you're, you're almost a month into a new year and yet you're looking going, I feel like I'm repeating the same patterns of just going through the motions, just doing life, worn out, spent, exhausted, depleted, and we're just getting started. I mean, this is a kind of a scary place to be at the beginning of a year. And maybe, maybe uh, you asking a question, I, I, you know, what do you do about this? I think for most of us, uh, it, part of it is because we live with a scarcity mentality. Follow me here, listen to me. What I mean by that is we believe there is never enough. There's never enough time. Right, that's why we say I'm always busy. Uh, There's never enough money, no matter how much we have. There is never enough energy because we're always worn out, burned out, exhausted. And so what do we do, right? Um, Because there's never enough time, we never even have enough time to ask if we should keep doing what we're currently doing. So we never even slow down to evaluate the way we're living. Uh, There's never enough money. And this is not a money problem. This isn't an income problem. This is a spending problem, right? Because there's never enough money, what we do is we just work harder. We get a second job. And most of the time, in order to keep up with that, what you also have to do, because there's not enough time, is then we just drink another cup of coffee, we take an extra energy drink, and then we worry more, and then we work more, and because we've worked more, we come home, Totally exhausted, frustrated with life. And then we sit there and we go, What am I doing? And we get, we feel bad about ourselves. We feel bad about the life we're living. And so we turn on the TV or we just, you know, binge Netflix or we lean into one of our pleasures or our addictions to numb the frustration and the pain we feel because we're constantly in this scarcity thinking that there's never enough. if you've ever, not during this season, but during warmer seasons, uh, have you ever seen a lawn that's totally dried up? What does it need? If you're like me, that lawn, you realize it doesn't need stale water. It doesn't need like a torrential downpour that floods it. No, what, what a dried up lawn needs is a slow, steady, refreshing rain. Kind of like a life Giving rain. And when you and I, maybe you've been in a place where you felt incredibly thirsty. I mean, you felt so thirsty that you, like you couldn't function without getting something to drink. And probably for you, you didn't reach for a cup of coffee. You, you didn't reach for, I don't know, your favorite beverage. You, you didn't reach for um, stale water. You know what we reach for when we're really thirsty? We reach for refreshing, cold water, life-giving water. And so where do we find that kind of life-giving water for our soul? When your emotions, when your thinking, when your relationships, when your soul feels dried up, where can you reach for something that is life-giving? that renews, that, that transforms how you live like a rain falling on a dried up lawn that begins to bring a refreshing new life. And so that's to I, I wanna bring you into a chapter in the book of Ezekiel that's tucked into the Bible where we're gonna borrow from a metaphor written by this guy who's a prophet, a spokesperson of God. And I believe that as we read this chapter, you're gonna find a lesson that you can apply to your life and and so we've been we've been looking at Ezekiel as we've been going through this series come alive so let me just kind of quickly bring you back to the context in case you're brand new with us um welcome to any of our guests here Uh, We also want to just quick shout out to each of our campuses, so appreciate our Chambersburg campus, who I'm sure you guys are super excited to finally get a chance to meet again after a little hiatus, Uh, and to our other campuses, Wilson, those of us uh, part of Wilson, the the cinema campus, so excited for each of you, appreciate you guys being part of this, And and so... As we've been looking at this series, uh, what we discover is that Ezekiel was with a group that was brought into exile after Babylon had conquered the nation of Judah. They marched the people into exile into Babylon, and then they went back to Babylon. They destroyed, I mean, not to Babylon. They went back to uh, Judah. They destroyed the capital city of Jerusalem, toppled the temple. And it felt like if you were one of those people that had gotten brought into exile, felt like you were not only far away from home, but far away from hope. And they were living desperate. They were living dried up lives, drained, burned out. And what's painful is they're living far away from a destroyed temple, where now it feels like God is distant. God has abandoned them. God has rejected them. If there's a God... At all, And maybe some of you find yourself in a similar place where you feel like you're living where you don't belong or you're living in a way that you never imagined life would have gone and you feel desperate, you feel dried up. You feel you got that scarcity mentality like there's never enough time, there's never enough money, there's never enough energy. No matter how much you have, it's never enough. And maybe you'll relate to this picture that Ezekiel sees, God gives him this vision, and I'm just gonna read it to you, and then we're gonna to try to draw some principles out of it. He said, then he, uh, this angelic being that may have been God himself, then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from underneath the threshold of the temple toward the east. And when the man went out to the east, uh, the line, meaning he measured it with his hand, and he measured 1,000 cubits, which is about, I don't know, 1,500 feet, all right? And he brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my ankles. And then he kind of does the same thing again, so he's walking, and being begins walking him, and they go, they go about a third of a mile, and they, they measure the waters, and he says, when we measure the water, it went up to my ankle, and then he said to go out, to keep going further as this water is flowing. And he measured off another thousand cubits, went about another third of a mile, and led me through the water, that was now knee deep. So of course, as he's going and he's walking, this, this uh, stream is now becoming a, a little bit of a river that's getting deeper and deeper. He goes, now it's knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to my waist. And then he measured off another thousand. We could do this all day. <laughs> and now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. And so let me just quickly kind of capture what's going on here. So this prophet is brought by this uh, angelic being uh, to see this Stream, this little trickle of water that pours out of the temple, so it 's a vision because the current temple had been totally destroyed, and he sees this water trickling out of the temple, then runs down or it runs through the temple, and then it spills out of the temple, and as it flows, it starts out just as a little stream, something that you can easily walk through, and then he goes about a third of a mile, and he can still walk through it ankle deep, it goes another third of a mile now it 's up to his knees, then up to his waist, and then it goes further and suddenly it becomes this massive river that he could never even cross if he tried to swim. Jesus used a similar word picture. This is around 570 BC. So almost 600, about 600 years later, Jesus meets a woman Uh, at a well. Now, a well in most communities would be something very much like a coffee shop today. It'd be a place that you need to go to in order to survive. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, you know, people go to the well, of course, to get water, but it was also like a gathering place. But most people went in the cool of the day, in the morning, in the evening. This lady is there in the middle of the day. Jesus goes there and he strikes up a conversation with her. And she thinks he's talking about the water in the well. But Jesus is using the water as a metaphor for something different, something about the soul. And so it's recorded by the author John, who is an eyewitness to the life of Jesus. And and the author John in his gospel records this moment where Jesus answered the woman, everyone who drinks this water, meaning the water in the well, will be thirsty again, meaning it's scarce. It doesn't last. There's never enough. No matter how much water you drink, you're always gonna have to come back and drink more water. I don't care what buffet buffet you go and eat at, the next day you're gonna be hungry again. It doesn't matter what vacation you go on, eventually you need to go on another vacation. No matter how much sleep you get, eventually you need to go back to sleep. And Jesus said to her, "No no matter how much water you drink, you're gonna get thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give, will never thirst. Do you get it? This is the similar picture that Ezekiel saw. Now Ezekiel didn't understand his dream or his vision. He just saw it, but he didn't know what it meant. And so he writes it down. He shares it with the people that are living in a desperate situation, that are living dried up, burned out lives. And he he doesn't really even know how to explain it to them other than to say, this is what I saw. I hope it encourages you. I saw that from the temple, a little stream flowed and it became a massive river. Good luck. Hope that encourages you. Well, Jesus comes along and he says, I want you to know, that anyone who drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. And what Ezekiel didn't know was that what, what would happen 600 years later would be the fulfillment of his vision. And there's a principle. There's a principle that, that jumps out of this chapter in Ezekiel. And there's a principle that Jesus was offering that woman at the well. And it applies to our lives today. On our own When we live life, we're gonna feel dried up, burned out, exhausted, but (laughs) through relationship with God, we can be filled to abundance. I I want you to write that down. I'm hoping to encourage you. My my message today is to be an encouragement. And so I want you to write this down. I can be filled to abundance. I can be filled with abundance. And when you hear that word abundance, I don't know what you immediately think of, uh, but, I hope that what you think of is something that's like spilling over, that there's more than enough. If you had an abundant amount of time, it means that you have so much time that you could do whatever you wanted for as long as you wanted. If you had an abundant supply of money, you would have so much that you could give as much as you wanted and there would be still more than enough for you, right? That's what I would think of if I thought of the word abundance, So why is it that we don't feel abundant? Why is it that we feel like there's a lack? Meaning we have a scarcity mentality. Well, it could be because there are holes in us. The thing inside of us, our soul, that is meant to hold life, drains because it is cracked. Imagine your spiritual being, your soul. As a cup that is cracked. Therefore, no matter what you pour in to refresh it, to renew it, to make it feel. Free full no matter what you put in it just pours right back out and not isn't that exactly how you and I live our lives it's a perfect picture you can like I said you can pour in sleep you can pour in vacation you can pour in food you can pour in water whatever you pour in it just drains right out you can you could be in a relationship and just love spending time with that person but it feels like no matter how much time you spend it's not enough um because you and I have something broken, fractured inside of us. And it's not that a relationship is not working, or, and it's not that we don't have enough money. It's not that your finances are broken. It's not just that my mind or my emotions are off kilter. It's that I am spiritually dried up. What I mean is this, Very simply put, there is something fractured and broken inside of us at a deeper spiritual level that causes us to constantly be empty. This is what biblical authors and Jesus refer to as sin. Sin is a spiritual brokenness, a spiritual hole in our soul, that no matter what you put in, it constantly drains empty. Sin is a desire to push away from God and all that is good and best and blessed for our life. And when we push away from God, we remove ourselves from the source of life and love and hope and healing and forgiveness. And we go off and we do what we want. And what we do is in in, in this process, we reject the very God that could satisfy and fill us. And we turn toward things, think think about your life. We, We turn toward work, or sex, or relationships. We turn toward eating, or addictions, or pleasure. And no matter what we take in, it never satisfies us for long. Oh, it'll give you a quick fix. It'll make you feel good for a moment, but very quickly, When that moment passes, you're right back to where you were, only it's worse because now you're deeper and deeper and deeper in this sin trap. And the worst part of sin is that it leads toward a forever ruin. Where we're headed toward eternal judgment. But God was unwilling to leave you and I. He was unwilling to leave the nation of Israel on this course of eternal ruin. And so God intervened. And what he gave Ezekiel was this little glimpse, this little picture of a little trickle flowing out of a temple that becomes a stream that becomes a river. Here's the word picture. What, what I didn't share with you, because I didn't want to give it away, is uh, when this little stream starts, this little trickle starts, it actually is water that pours out of in the temple. Now, you might not be familiar with this, but in the ancient temple, there was a, uh, basically a bath. It's a little weird, but it was where the priest would go to wash. And it was very ceremonial. It was made of Bronze. Bronze in the Bible was always symbolic of sacrifice. And, and so there was this sacrificial bath where the water was. And so the water started spilling out of the bath. And then what it did was it ran underneath the altar of sacrifice. That's where you would bring your animal to offer sacrifices. I know this sounds crazy. Hopefully none of you are like PETA fans and you're like all upset about this. But they offered animal sacrifice. And so the water, the stream ran from the washing basin underneath the altar of sacrifice, then out of the temple, then it began to grow. And the point was this. It was a picture. Ezekiel didn't understand this. It was pointing to Jesus, Jesus who would come to cleanse us of our sin. It was, he poured his presence into a broken world and his presence was offered to wash us of our sin. How? Well, the water in in this picture flowed under the altar of sacrifice. What Jesus did was he came to offer himself in death. He became the sacrifice for our sin. So when Jesus died on the cross, what he did was he took our sin punishment, he put it on himself. Jesus took the eternal judgment we deserve. He put it on himself so that he died in our place once and for all, absorbing our judgment, our shame, our guilt. So anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sin and given new life. And when we believe in Jesus by faith, that river that poured, or that stream that began, that flowed from the, the bronze um, wash basin, that flowed under the sac- this altar of sacrifice, flows into our life. And the idea of this picture is that wherever the river flows, God's presence goes. Here's the way Jesus described it. He said, the thief does not come except, meaning his only goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why you and I go through life drained and exhausted and depleted because we have an intelligent evil um, enemy who is constantly sabotaging us, trying to steal, kill, and destroy us. Jesus said, but I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. I want everybody to say this. I want you You say the word abundance. Abundance. All right, you, you believe that? Say abundance. Abundance. All right. Jesus said, I've come that you would have life, but not just have life, not just existing, not just surviving, not just getting by, not just chasing your tail, not just trying to put out fires, but I've come that you would live on fire, that you would live an abundant kind of life. Well, how is that possible? The only way that's possible is if we tap into the source of abundance. Who is the source of abundance? Jesus. The only way that you and I are going to experience the abundant life is if we tap into God as our source. God is the river. His, wherever his presence flows, um, life goes abundance goes. And so what we're getting here is this picture that what God wants to do is he wants to pour his abundance into our life. So I'm just going to give you a quick recap, right? That means I have to be tapped into Jesus Christ as the source of life. Look, anything else you and I tap into will eventually leave us drained, depleted, and empty. It will leave us wanting. You don't You don't have to believe me. Just look at your own life experience. No matter what we've done, we've always been left wanting. But when we tap into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, we get the privilege of always being filled up. We become satisfied and we become overwhelmed with the life of God. And then whatever fills, spills Right? So God fills my life. Now he, in essence, he doesn't just fix the break in my cup. He, he gives me a whole new cup so that now my life can hold the life of God, the flow of God's favor in my life. And he fills my cup to overflowing, but he doesn't just fill it to overflowing, right? Because the idea is that whatever fills spills, but check it out. He does more than that. So the first thing is this, we must tap into God as our source. The only source that's ever going to satisfy our lives is relationship with Jesus Christ. That's going to require you to have an ongoing conversation with God. If you're feeling dried up, burned out, maybe spend a little bit of time in conversation with God. Maybe open up God's word and spend a little time uh, being nourished by the word of God. Maybe get into an attitude or an atmosphere of worship where you begin to lift up your gratitude to God. And what will happen is as you lift your worship to God, he will begin to pour his presence down and fill your life. But let's not stop there because we would stop short of the point of this passage. So let me keep reading. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. So he brings me back to the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees, trees that were not there before on each side of the river. And he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Ereba where it enters the Dead Sea. So if you don't know much, the Dead Sea, also referred to as the Salt Sea, has such high level contents of minerals and salt that it's not possible for anything to live in the Dead Sea. He says, so he brings me down, he sees this river flowing into the Dead Sea. And when it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on, the bank, on both banks of the river. Then he looks at these trees and he says, their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows in them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Okay. It's a picture, it's a metaphor, but here's what here's what Ezekiel sees. He sees that this river as it grows and expands, as it gets bigger and bigger, eventually life begins to grow all alongside of it. Trees of abundance, trees that don't just have one season, but every month they have a new crop, a new fruit, a new opportunity for people to be nourished. Then if you get a hold of the leaves, it's like aloe. Man, it, it'll heal you, it'll it will refresh you. And so he said that these trees Still, they feed and they bring healing. Similarly, Jesus said this when he was speaking to the woman. He said, indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. When you receive this living water in you, it's, it brings a different kind of life in you and it becomes a spring of living water. A spring, does, you don't get to hoard it. It's not a well that is capped. A spring pours water. And he said, what it'll pour out of you is eternal life. The picture is this, that we don't just get life, we spread abundant life. You are responsible to understand that what God wants to pour in you is abundance, but he pours it in you to pour it through you. You are called and created. You are rescued and saved in order to spread abundant life. Let me challenge you. When we, have, when we keep a scarcity mentality, we believe there's never enough. There's never enough time, so I don't have time to serve or help or look out for anyone else. When, when I have a scarcity mentality with what I have, and it doesn't matter how much you have, right? You can have a scarcity mentality. I always need more. But when you have an abundant mentality, you realize that what God pours in me, He pours through me. It's not mine to have, it's mine to share and to spread. The life that God wants to give me, I, the, the, in, in this word picture, you are the trees. It's not the fruit itself or the leaves themselves that were food or healing. It was the fact that those trees were tapped into the source of life. When you tap into the source of life, God himself, he fills your life and then he wants to spill over from your life and so that your life can be an agent of life to others. You can be a transformational agent in your workplace, in your classroom, in your home, in your marriage, in relationships. It means that the church should be the most powerful agent of change in our community. The life of God flows in us so it can flow through us so that we become, the life of God, we become trees of God. We produce fruit of life. Even the leaves of the tree brings healing. So how can my life bring fruit? fill the life of others? How can my life offer something that feeds others? How can my life bring healing to others? And so we offer compassion. We offer service. We offer our our kindness. We are people that are the love of God and the forgiveness of God and the compassion of God and the generosity of God. What that means is I go through my life, I'm not worried that somebody is going to spread a contagious and a contagious contaminant on me. I'm not worried that somebody's going to give me a disease or they're going to spread their death onto me or their hurt onto me or their hate onto me. We are the life of God. I'm not worried that that the hate of the world is going to get into the church or the hurt of the world is going to get into the church. No, we are contagious. We are the agent of change. Listen to me carefully. We spread out. They should be worried about us because when we spread out, we bring life. We bring transformation. So don't sit around uh, worried about what anybody else is going to get you infected with, what they're going to get on you. You should be spending your life thinking about how you can get what's in you out onto others. I'm going to land it with this one more idea, and this is going to be the one. So far, you all been cheering with me. You've been staying with me. You've been encouraged. Everybody say abundance. abundance. Good. Abundant life becomes generosity. It's it. You can't help it, because when you are filled, what fills spills. The abundant life becomes generosity you always have more than enough. I'm going to be generous with my time. I'm going to be generous with my words. I'm going to be generous with my forgiveness. I'm going to be generous with compassion. I'm going to be generous with my heart, with my attitude, with the words that I speak. So I want to take a moment. I want to encourage you to become generous. Now, most of you, if I were to ask you personally, you would probably say that you're a generous person. And it's because you give once in a while. Maybe you were generous at Christmas time. My goal is not at this moment to get you to give, but to become generous. And there's a difference. People who give may not be generous because giving is spontaneous. Giving is based on what you have. Giving is based on what you're actually giving. But generosity is not something you do, it's who you are. You can give and not be generous because you're doing something but not becoming something. My goal is that you shift in your life from becoming a consumer to becoming a giver. Most of us have a consumption assumption. Let me say it again. Most of us have a consumption assumption. We believe that we can consume all that we have. We assume we can consume all that we have, that it's ours. But when you understand that God is the source of everything you have, and he pours it in to pour it through, then I discover that everything I have is from God and therefore it's for God. That means that everything I have is not for me or what I want or what I can get. It's not about me getting, it's about me giving. Generosity requires something different than giving. Giving, you can do it spontaneously. You can do it thoughtlessly. You can, you can do it only based on how much you have. I mean, you create a Christmas budget. You kind of think like, well, how much do I have to spend? And you should do that, right? Generosity means that I have thoughtfully, I have deliberately created a plan in my life to live on less to give more. I'll say it one more time. It's a thoughtful, deliberate plan to live on less for the purpose of giving more. My goal is to limit my life to live simply to live on less so that I can give more. That's generosity. And I want to challenge you. How can you become more generous in 2019? It's about your heart. It's about believing God is my source. God is more than enough. Therefore, I can walk in and live in abundance. And because there's an abundance in me, I can now take a step of faith into generosity. Those trees that never run out of fruit because there's new fruit every month, they could be generous with their fruit. You are the trees of righteousness planted by God to overflow with abundance. And one of the expressions of an abundant life is generosity. God is generous toward us. And so I want to be like God, which means I want to become more generous. Let me give you a quick, brief thought. Uh, flyover of a way you can begin to live out that generosity first thing we encourage people to do is take a step of faith in tithing now some of you right now you're beginning to cringe because you're like oh no it's one of those churches they're going to talk about money there's a reason why you don't like it might be because you're living in a scarcity mentality can I encourage you take a step of faith in me into generosity. Tithing is setting aside, willingly and deliberately, 10% of my increase, 10% of my income to God to give to the church. And I consider it a privilege and an honor to talk about this. I used to have a hard time talking about this, but then I realized, are you kidding me? We get the privilege of being generous and giving toward the church, to what God is doing in and through the local church. And so can I encourage you to prayerfully consider how you can begin to tithe in 2019, setting aside on a weekly, regular basis, that 10% and giving it to the church. We also, within LifeHouse, we have Kingdom Builders. Kingdom Builders is, the, is an opportunity for us to give above the tithe in generosity to God through the church. And we provide a lot of opportunities and resources. Uh, if you wanna get more information, by the way, I would love it if all of you would do this for me. Uh, if you would go online, very simple. You can do this right now. You can go to our app. You can go uh, to, on the, our website. The, the uh, website link is lifehousekb.com. Now this isn't a sales pitch. Look, I, I got a job opportunity. I got to look through the budget. I got to see where we're preparing to resource these projects. And almost every one of them would bring tears to your eyes because this is about life change. This is about the river of God flowing and it becomes a powerful presence of God in our community. In our nation across the globe, and we believe that those that that river of God produces life. Wherever God's presence goes, it brings life, and the life of God is spreading through opportunities like giving to kingdom builders. You know, when we invest into live dead to start churches in the most unreached populations of the world, we're continuing to invest into a, a very unreached part of the world in Albania, helping them start a church in Montenegro. That work is continuing to go. It's hard work. It doesn't just happen overnight, but we're also partnering with other church planting uh, organizations and movements, but we also work, uh, you know, you've heard some of these announcements before, but we're trying to invest into... You know, helping rescue individuals out of human trafficking and sex trafficking through projects like, or organizations like A21 and Project Rescue. What we do locally right here. And again, you can read all these things. I'm just trying to give you like a quick, like, I want you to prayerfully consider how you can not just be spontaneous in giving, but you can have a thoughtful, deliberate plan to live on less, to give more. And so what we did is we gave you a card when you came in. And I'd love it if you'd take that card. I just want to take a moment. I want to pray over you. First, I believe that there are some here that what you need is for the river of God to flow into your life and bring life. You need what Jesus talked about, that you, would, you, you receive the water he offers and you'll never thirst again because it brings eternal life. And what you need right now is to receive that life through Jesus Christ. If that's where you're at, you take a moment and you pray. But for others of you, it's not about something you do, but it's about who you become. And I would love it if through LifeHouse, we become an army of generous people, an army of people who God changes. So we shift from a scarcity mentality to an abundance mentality. And I just want you to take that card that you have and we're just going to take a moment, we're going to pray I'm, what I want to believe is that God would just put in your heart an amount to give but that it's not just like a, I'm going to do this but I'm going to become this, I'm going to become generous and as I'm becoming generous I'm going to express that through regular giving I want to be part of what God is doing in my own community across the globe so would you allow me, I'm going to take a moment just pray over you Jesus, thank you Thank you that we get to be part of what you are doing. God, through the church, the river, wherever the river flows, life goes. And you've given us an expression of life to spread life. And God, may we be trees of righteousness. May we be the planting of God in our homes, our neighborhoods, our city, our nation. And God, will we bring life wherever we go. God, put in our hearts an attitude of generosity. Transform us into generous people that don't see what we have as for us but for you, that you're not giving us more so we can have more, but you're giving us more so that we can give more. God, I pray that all through and every one of our campuses across each of our services, God, that you begin to prompt people's hearts to give above and beyond in a generous way because God, you are a generous God. We ask this now in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, Life change happens here, so we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.